0: Lamp podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and in each episode we will have conversation with spiritual people living their lives, whether that's magic, divination, mysticism, or just the act of consciously living engaged with the world and trying to make sense of it as we all move through these turbulent and exciting times in which we find ourselves. You can catch up on all of the past episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts or in your favorite podcatcher of choice. So in the last episode, I announced that I was starting a Patreon to help support the growth and expansion of this podcast. Uh, there are three reasons why you might want to go and support that. Number one, you think it's awesome and you would like more of it and want to support Me putting the time and energy in to make sure that there are episodes every other week. Two, you think this podcast is amazing and you want to support getting transcriptions for people who are deaf and other people who might otherwise better engage through a visual means versus an auditory one. Or number three, you think this podcast is awesome and you want some more stuff And if you jump on over to Patreon, you can look at all the different offerings from bonus episodes to original artwork and so on that come with being a supporter at a variety of levels. But seriously, even if you can offer $1 per episode, it all helps support and fund the growth of this podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash thehermit'slamp to read more.
1: (laughs) I don't know, what is it? Got any antibiotics for that?
2: <laughs> I'm willing to bet this is the last time this is going to happen. We should all enjoy it.
0: Oh, no way. This, we'll do this like once a month or something. <laughs> all right, everybody. On that note, welcome to another installment of the Hermit's Land podcast. I am here today with Aiden Walker, Fabeku. And Jonathan Emmett. And uh, if you don't know who these people are, uh, number one, it's a running joke amongst us that we have a band called Stacking Skulls. And, uh, you know, this has been the the source of much uh, chat backroom joking and shenanigans. Uh, But if seriously, if you don't know who these people are, uh, you know, hit the pause on the recording and go back and listen to some of the older episodes of the podcast. They've all been on before. Um, So we're going to skip a more formal introduction. And kind of just get into to talking about it. And really the, the one of the real reasons why I wanted to have this conversation is that uh, all of us uh, have an approach to magic and to divination and to living a spiritual life that is different and yet overlaps and intersects very well. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, the specifics may vary, but like what do you think's actually going on and then someone will say the answer and be like yeah that's what I think's going on too so I thought it'd be very interesting to get us all together and and have a conversation about that and you know I think the first thing I'd like to do here today though is to go around and say what's what's the the thing that you've done magically recently that you've been inspired and excited about you know what what do you, what do you got for us Aiden
3: For me, it's been all about the book (laughs) Um, Uh uh, for kind of a long time. And uh, I just took, like, 90 days off of it so that I could see it again (laughs) because you get so close to it that you can't see anything Uh, and just kind of stepped back in uh, doing revisions on that. And that's the main thing. That's the uh, kind of the powers that be. that's their interest right now is kind of like, get it done, get it out. So Mm -hmm. that's the focus has been.
4: Yeah.
2: Totally makes sense. What about you, Fabeku? Yeah. You know, for me, I think um, I've been doing some large scale painting stuff with some, some sigil magic involved, which has been cool. And some uh, super small scale talisman stuff with uh, sigil stuff. And, other goodies worked in. And, um, that's been fun. It's been, it's been cool to kind of push what's new and next with the sort of weird marriage of art and sigils and magic and all that. So yeah, I'm stoked about that.
0: Thanks. Jonathan.
2: I
1: can save the best for last. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I, I know cause I'm next.
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You no, know, um, you know, one of the things that, that when you asked that question it struck me, um, I study a form of martial arts that's very blade oriented. And I was looking at one of my blades the other day, and I really just had this moment of how, of the perfection of metal and how it moves and, and the energy that's involved in it and the martial art itself and, and including the blade. And it really was kind of pivotal moment. Um, I've had you know, we all have times where we, we feel a little, uh, out of touch with, uh, you know, spirit or whatever. It was one of those moments where I felt, yeah, okay. Spirit's still there. You know, I, I can, it's still with me. I, I know it's there. It's kind of one of those epiphany type moments. So that's what
0: popped in my little brain when you asked that question. Hmm. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. For me, um, it's all, been all about this deck that I'm making, you know, I, um, I sort of, I got the the kick in the pants from Spirit that, that, you know, this Arisha tarot deck that I'm making that I'm about halfway through now, a little over halfway through now, you know, there was this sort of moment where, where basically, you know, it's one of the spirits that I work with kind of, kind of basically said, well, why are you doing anything other than just doing this? Just do this <laughs> all the time. And I was like, yeah. That's right. Why, why am I not just like really just devoting everything to it, you know? And so, so I've been really hitting it hard and sort of making (laughs) trying to make a card a day lately. Nice. And, uh, you know, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing for me that when we, when we engage with spirit in these ways, then, um, which, which in many cases are not what we think of as sort of like the spiritual practice, right? Like they're not like, Hey, I called up this thing and did this and whatever. But as soon as I started back, as soon as I like acknowledged that that was the message I was getting immediately, everything else for the most part that was challenging in my life just started to move. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You keep doing that work. We'll keep bringing you lots of clients. We'll keep doing that. We'll just, yeah, you know, everything. will just keep going. I'm like, all right, fair enough.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, that's kind awesome. of the, That's kind of yeah, what that good. happened with the book uh is yeah i had been kind of talking to the to the powers that be about some things that i wanted shifted and they're all like we'll finish the book just finish the book because that's all we care about so finish the book (laughs) and everything will be copacetic. it's like okay i guess that means i have to finish the book (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's amusing this uh,
0: amusing amusing is the wrong word i find myself fascinated by this sort of um interplay of free will and not free will that happens when we work with the powers that be, whatever that might mean in our life. Right. Like, you know, we know you want these things, but dude, finish the book, Make the <laughs> Take totally. you know, do the thing. Right. And then, and then that will happen. Right. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Definitely.
2: Yeah. I think for me, the, the sequence of that is always interesting because there's, there's the sequence I wanted in and then there's the sequence they're interested in doing it in. And they're not always the same. They're not usually the same. And I think for me, part of it has been being smart enough to get that and being smart enough to stop pushing my sequence, which clearly isn't working in the first fucking place. Uh, And it's like, it's, it's, and I think it's interesting what you said about not these, not being the sort of usual spiritual practices. I think that's true. It's, um, but it it all to me goes back to this finding a different way to live, finding a different rhythm and a different relationship with things and uh, and paying attention to that, you know, not just head down, push through your own sequence and um, I think that 's a big deal it 's a big de- and i 've been a really stubborn pain in the ass to learn that lesson a lot, so
1: well, I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Definitely. Definitely.
1: I think those of us that have been around for a few years, I mean, we all re- we've all been through that at least daily. <laughs> Still absolutely. Fighting
4: yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: I fought, you know, I, I, another thing that comes to mind is I, I recently took back a hobby that I, I really enjoyed doing. It wasn't, a, it didn't start out as a hobby. It was a, a career. I did it for eight years, but, um, <clears throat> and things I feel better. I feel more connected to life and more connected to things and, and uh, things are just a lot smoother. And I, and I, and, you know, it's like you guys are saying that we, we don't always follow the plan and until we do, it's going to be screwed up. And then when we start following the plan, it all just kind of falls together. And you're like, well, why didn't I follow the plan in the first place? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun road. <laughs> We're always learning something I think in this, in this world, in this, uh, especially
0: Go
4: ahead. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah, I say
1: something.
0: There there's this, um, there's a proverb that comes up, uh, in the, in, in my religious practice in various ways. And it's like, don't ask what you already know, you know, mm-hmm. and like this, I've been really sitting with it a lot this year, this sort of notion of, um what, what if I already have the answer? What's the answer? What do I, what do I already know about this? What do I actually need to know about this? What are the, what are the things that like, you know, what's, what is it that I wish I was there like down the sequence somewhere, but I'm not, but I'm not, but there's still 50 things to do today. You know, what, what are the things that I'm avoiding? And then, you know, and then sometimes like looking at why or more often than not just basically telling myself, well, shut up, dude, and just get on it then. Like, just just show up, just make it happen. You know.
1: Well, and I think you know that. What I was just thinking we, while you were talking was that, uh, you know, sometimes we we're always trying to prepare to get to a certain point. Why are we don't necessarily have to prepare to get at that point? We just feel like we have to do certain things to get there. Not necessarily. You know, it's like some I think people overcomplicate spirituality on 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 so many levels but um it's there it's there for us to connect to we're part of this bigger picture we're not we're not just this little species trying to run around and 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 live life we're 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 part of a bigger organism that we don't always see we're not brought up to see it and i think we don't tap into many of the the great possibilities that we have as being part of that larger being. Um, I have this really weird idea of what God is. Um, it looks more like a wagon wheel to me than, <laughs> than a, than a being because it's an energy connection between all living things. And it's all in this big circle. And that's how I env- envision uh, the God gods or whatever. So, you know, and to me, it's simple. And and I think a lot of times we overcomplicate it. We make things too hard on ourselves. We we're not good enough to to do this, or we're not good enough to do that. That's not true. You're good enough to do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to be a professional yeah. arm wrestler, go for it.
3: Yeah, I think about that a lot, and it came up really uh, explicitly in the book, which Fabiku could attest to, because he's one of the few people that's read it. But um, as I was writing the book, I was really coming to this perception of what goes on is what I'm now thinking of as being like biological animism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That I, I grew up in a science model, right, being of a particular age and time. And so a lot of the kind of more outright mythic explanations don't necessarily gel for me. But what does is I can kind of go, okay, if I'm like a cell within a giant, fucking amazingly huge organism that is the the universe and god and spirit all of that um then of course there's things that other cells are doing that are either unrelated or make no sense to me at all because it's kind of like within the body it's like well maybe i'm a a red blood cell and that thing is a, a bone cell or that thing is a part of the optic nerve and these things are not necessarily comprehensible to one another uh, but they are functionally with, you know, they're, they're necessary pieces of this whole. Uh, and if I can kind of accept that and go, okay, I'm not going to understand everything. Uh, but I can tap into what I know or find to be true and then play my part well. And that's the point when this kind of flow state hits where uh, things are working well. Uh, I'm not being stupid. I'm not concerning myself with the whole aspects of things that are not really relevant to me.
2: Yeah, you know, for me, I think, and I was, I was, just had a conversation with somebody about this last night, I think that uh, I wish that's something I had understood way earlier on in my practice, because I spent way too much fucking time trying to practice types of magic that weren't for me, trying to work in ways that didn't make sense, circling back to shit, thinking maybe I was missing something. Um, you know, it's like for me, my, and this isn't a slam against ceremonial magic at all. I don't work in that way. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me as a, as a model for myself, not for anyone else. But I can't tell you the number of times I fucking circled back to it thinking I, I must just not be getting this. There's something here. I have to get this. Let me read, let me do. And it was just like, at some point it's like, this is not my thing. This cell is not adjacent to my, to me. and. That's the end of it. It's not good or bad. I'm not missing anything. There's nothing deficient in my practice. There's nothing deficient with with ceremonial magic. It's just not my thing. So I was able to let it go. But fuck the amount of time that I spent and the churn and the wondering and the, uh, it, it was, it was ridiculous. And it was an extraordinary waste of time on all kinds of levels. And the books. Oh. All the books. <laughs> of, course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. Because if you think you're missing something, you can't just reread the book you have. You have to order twelve other fucking books on the topic to make sure exactly. that you're somehow not missing something. So boxes, books in the basement, and ceremonial magic that I'll never read. <laughs> and it should be first editions too, right? Because if of the course, first editions, the, acts, the rare the out of print, the of course they the of course. Why if why do it any other way? Yeah.
3: The leather bound.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. You got to have the leather bound. Come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think that it's, I think that it's, for me, it's. No, somebody said
1: that to me the other day.
4: Go ahead. You're the boss. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. Um,
0: So, yeah, I mean, the thing for me is it's become this real practice of, like, of listening. And of looking of looking for what's the way forward, right? And you know, it's again. I mean, I spent plenty of time in the ceremonial stuff, and i i really I really dug it until I didn't. And you know, it's it sort of became this thing where I built up all this structure, and and I could do lots of things with it. But then I just started to be like, but I don't need that structure. I don't need this structure. I don't need this piece, you know. And I think that it's. I think it's really helpful to sort of think about what is what is the practical way forward, right? What is the what is it that you want? What's the shortest, easiest road there? What, what can you do and then get on with, like, you know, what's next, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of like if you think about magic, like you, you want to get a job, you write a resume, and then you forget about your resume, right? Like, you know, the magic itself should be left behind at a certain point and just get on with whatever we're doing, right? Whereas when I was in ceremonial stuff, I was always sort of focused on this notion of evolving towards something or becoming, you know, whatever, right? The the secret wizard, grandmaster, lord of the universe, something, something, right? And it kind of gets to this point where I'm like, I don't care about any of that stuff, really. I just want to, like, get on and enjoy my life, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's exactly. It's the, I want to make my offerings and ask for what it is I'm trying to do. And then I'm going to play guitar and make jewelry. Yeah. Fucking take pictures of the goose in the bathtub because that's way more fun (laughs) than reading some fucking grimoire that I'm never going to use. Yeah.
4: (laughs) And
1: who's got 24 hours to do something? I mean, really? Does anybody (laughs) have 24 hours? You just stop.
2: You know, I, I think I think that's an interesting point about the pictures and the music and and the jewelry because, you know, to me if and you know I guess everyone has a different point to magic, but if if I look at magic as this thing that enhances life, that makes it better, that increases goodness in it, and if that further chains me to magic, I have to question if I'm doing it right. You know, if it if that gives me less time for things like music and pictures and, and, you know, things that I enjoy. Am I really, am I really doing it right? Am I actually accomplishing the shit that, that I'm doing all this magic for, or am I just doing magic? Which is listen fine. And, and there was a point probably in my early twenties where that was fine. I was fine to do magic all the fucking time. Cause I thought that that was the point, but it, for me at this point, it's not, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just not.
1: Was that the wizard?
2: Uh, yes. He's losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> totally quiet until i i we started this and now he's <laughs> racing across the house and pulling blinds down and he's in the fucking <laughs> for, for beku
0: for those who don't know has an internet famous cat so uh you know, was yeah, i'm, I'm pretty
1: sure that cat mom. is
3: human uh, yeah. yeah to the so, extent that i am human i agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's questionable. <laughs> <No shit.
4: laughs>
0: so, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, I think about recently, you know, and, and maybe, the, maybe this is a product of getting older, right? But, like, I was thinking about it the other day, about this sort of notion of, well, this is just my life now. Like I used to, I I remember thinking magically and otherwise, like that I would get somewhere, or that I would achieve this thing, or whatever. But you know, my life is kind of just my life these days now. I get up, I say my prayers, eat my breakfast, get the kids to school, or or weekends not come to shop. I do some work, I do some, you know, see some clients, do some readings, make some art. Like it just becomes a sort of process of these continuous things. And in many ways, the, the real magic that I do these days is not even really externally towards, Hey, get me more business. Hey, whatever. Right. Like, you know, it's more like, how do I keep myself in the alignment of the, the groove that is serving me being who I am. Right. So, you know, like, how do I, how do I make sure that I'm you know, making time to go photograph the the, the gooselings in the bathtub or make sure that I'm making time to like, for me, go to the climbing gym because it's something that I'm enjoying the heck out of right now. You know, I'm like, how do I keep myself internally focused and aligned and externally organized so that I can continue to do these things? Which is not anything that, that you know, my 20, 20-odd-year-old self doing ceremonial magic in my in my temple and my robes would have ever even considered was magic. But now to me, that seems like
2: the, the only kind of magic that really fascinates me. Definitely. Yeah, I, I get that. I was thinking this, this thing that keeps running through my head on an almost constant basis is how do I, how do I increase the resonance with who I really am? To me, that's become the only relevant question. If it does that awesome.
4: If it doesn't fuck it. Simple. that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's interesting for me is going back
2: to what you were saying, how different that looks than what I used to think it would look. I think that there's, there's, and I'm, I'm glad for this. There's finally been this breakdown between this perceptual and experiential divide between magical practice and life. It's, it's the same shit. It's just all the same shit. And I don't, I don't know that I ever Thought that that was a doable thing. I don't even know that I thought that was a desirable thing I think at some point I had this thing where I held magic up as is this thing and then life was this sort of shit that You did in between magic and you kind of put up with and dealt with uh, and now I look back and i'm like wow that How how would the last 20 30 years have been different? If if I had seen that from a different perspective, you know If I didn't see life as this thing that was one entirely unmagical and two completely separate from magic and, and now i'm really grateful to be in this place where they don't feel like separate things at all
4: mm-hmm. no and i agree I, you know but i
1: i i'm kind of with andrew on that i think it kind of comes with age you know i mean mm-hmm. i i i think we've all felt that, that way up until i'm in my f- early 40s now and it was probably you know 40 when i <laughs> when i was to realize that you know it really it's not different. There's nothing really different about uh magical practice in your, in your everyday practice and everyday life that it should be magical. You should see, you know, the, the, uh, the beauty of, of the butterflies and the plants. And, and, and that's all to me, part of my practice, you know, things that I didn't, you know, I never thought about before or, or I, you know, and, and like you guys, I, I put, magic on this pedestal that I had to learn such and such thing to get to a certain point. And, you know, like Andrew said, you're always trying to get to that point, but you never seem to quite get there. You know, it's like we miss out on, on a lot of life, just trying to make something else happen. Um, And that's kind of what I did, you know, 20 years of making a living and, and you, you lose 20 years of your life. So, you know, you've, at some point I think with age, we kind of come back to a, a certain point where you start thinking about what's important, you know, Um, especially if, if you're like, like me, for instance, I, you know, I I started a career uh, almost 20 years ago and I never really got anywhere. You know, I'm good at what I do. I, uh, you know, I make decent money, but uh, not internally happy. And, and so I'm realizing that in my forties and luckily my son's grown and is going to go away and, you know, and do his thing. But, so I kind of have that opportunity, but, uh, I think so people, you know, people miss out on that. They, they kind of, you know, that we spend so much time trying to pay our bills and, you know, doing things that we think everybody wants us to do that we forget what makes us happy. You know, like my martial arts, that's a big part of my life. How, you know, on and off has been for, since I was 11, um, Every once in a while, I give it up because I think I don't have the money. Well, I need to make you know, I need to give make sure I have the money to do that. That's important to me. That's a part of part of who I am, um, you know. And and SpongeBob, I, I really got to have at least four hours of SpongeBob every single day. Actually, I was going to ask you, Andrew. Is that <laughs> a, is that
2: a, at first, is I was like, "Do I, I hear him correctly?" But I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that a, is that is that a, a, a uh oh who's a toy story guy Buzz Lightyear behind you what is that picture
4: This This is a uh, behind me yes. is a
0: picture which was a series of contemporary uh court cards that I did So this is the uh, the king of
3: wands the ah. astronaut Yeah Oh, so, yes,
1: it's Buzz Lightyear. Oh, so it's Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. It's Buzz, it's Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I, can't on. I, I didn't know if you noticed my Buzz Lightyear curses. <laughs> I just, uh,
0: I, from this out. angle, I can't see them, but, uh, you know. But, I, but, I'm basically a question... two-year-old trapped in a 42-year-old man's body. Yeah. <laughs> so so my, my question to you is, though, what is, what is the uh, cosmological and Kabbalistic symbolism of Buzz Lightyear? What's, what's, what are we doing with them ceremonially <laughs> <Ceremonially>.
4: <laughs> I'm
1: trying to channel in my my astronautical signage
4: <laughs> I'm trying to
1: contact the alien
4: uh-huh
2: Don't and, and out take your like, coffee late man. 90s chaos map all over again guys <laughs> always,
3: <it>. always <laughs> an important thing until it's hot yeah. <laughs>
2: the power
0: of Spongebob compels you my friend the power of Spongebob <laughs> <laughs> compels you <Come> <laughs>
4: And, you know, I, Actually, I was this I, would be my
1: son's room, and and we just never took the curtains down, and I kind of like them. They've <laughs> been there for twenty years almost. So.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Along the lines of what we've been talking about, uh, something that comes up to me a lot uh, is uh, there was a llama in uh, who was visiting New Orleans. He was supposed to stay, but he couldn't cope with the U.S. and and ran back to K- Kathmandu, which I think was wise. He was having a really hard time. Um, <laughs> And somebody asked him about how such and such a thing would be different or how they would approach something different if if and when they became enlightened. And his response was kind of brutal and brilliant, I thought. And he said, well, if you were enlightened, what would you do in that situation? And they were just massively stumped. And he's like, because you could just do that now. Mm. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's really why, in a lot of ways, right? It's, it's not like in general we don't know the thing we should do. We're waiting for some level of proof to to Magical show a Sign, yeah. And he was just saying, just do it. You know what it is. If 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 the answer is don't be a dick, then don't be a dick. You don't have to yeah. wait for that state to arrive uh, where that's an easier thing because it may never be an easier thing. Just that no, Yeah, and
0: really, like, even from an enlightened place, whatever that means, it still might be really hard, right? (laughs) Like, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it's not my perspective that that makes it easier. I don't think it's easy to be the Dalai Lama, right? Like, I think it's tremendously difficult to be the Dalai Lama in ways that 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 we can't even begin to comprehend on top of all the ways in which I can already imagine, right? Like, it's it's a hard, hard gig, you know? It's yeah. a good thing he's had, what, 14 lifetimes to practice, you know?
1: Yeah. Has he ever had a cheeseburger? I mean, honestly, that would be like the end of the world for me if I couldn't have a cheeseburger. Honestly.
4: <laughs> really, those
1: simple little things like that. You yeah. know? I know some people are vegetarians. I'm just,
0: I like meat. Can I have a vegetarian cheeseburger?
1: They're not the same. I don't care what you do to it. <laughs>
3: Yeah, sort of making it out of meat, it's not viable.
1: (laughs) This is going to be the best show ever.
0: This is the best episode already. We'll see. Highest rated or biggest thumbs down. You let us know. Everybody can just send their hate mail to Jonathan. Everything else you can send to me, okay?
1: John at... Uh, no, I'm not giving you my email. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. Don't you worry everybody. It'll be in the show notes. Damn
4: it.
0: So I guess one of the things that I that I think is really interesting about about this group of people. I mean about, about this crew of clowns that are on the on the line here today. <laughs> is is this is this balance of like, you know, it all of the joking and all of the the humor keeps coming back to stuff that's really real. Right. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. Like I, I think that for me, there's this sort of colossal question of, you know, how do you, how do you be engaged with this and not, how do you be engaged with all of these things and treat it all with a lot of respect and really have a serious sense of humor about it at the same time, you know, like, have, you, have, have cause I know I've run up with these places mm-hmm. where I'm like, I'm laughing and this is so not funny. I should be like so serious about this. And yet, and yet <laughs> I just can't be. And, and I wonder if, if that's even important, you know,
1: you know, spirit has a sense of humor too. Why, you know, why why do we have to be so stoic? I think, you know, laughing and and, and laughter and, and and joy kind of brings your energy up anyway. So, I like to laugh, man. I love to have a good time. I I figure I'm going to die one of these days, and I might as well be happy about it.
2: <laughs> you know, I was. It's one of the conversations that Aiden and I had when I was reading his book. That you know, because he's got some just laugh out loud funny shit in there. I mean, just laugh out loud shit. That's amazing, and. uh you know, I think that's one of the things that I've seen in my experience that's been missing in the magic community. There's this this overly heavy, serious, stuck, rigid thing. And you know, I don't think that's true of everybody certainly, but uh it it's been something I've seen and it's a weird thing for me. I think it's um you know, maybe it's because my brain is wired in a weird way, but I think that you know, you can have extraordinary respect for something and reverence for something and be, uh, irreverent as fuck at times and laugh at times and be in the middle of a very serious ceremony and, uh, and have some levity or laughter to it. And I, I don't know this whole, this whole, we're magicians, we have to be stone-faced and serious. I'm just not fucking into it at all. Mm. Um, I, it's, yeah, I'm not into it in any way.
0: Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I was doing, I used to do this ceremony called, uh, Libra Resh, which is like a, a big thing that Crowley was a proponent of, which is for those who don't know it, basically at the four points of the day, you're supposed to stop what you're doing and salute the sun and then meditate, um, for some amount of time. And, you know, I mean, I, I did this practice for years and I remember this moment where I came to hate it so bad. Like I just, I just couldn't stomach it at all and i was talking to a friend we got into this conversation about how in some traditions there's this practice of like um goading spirit to descend right like sort of challenging them or mocking them or doing other things to sort of encourage them to step across that threshold into this world more and he was like you should just like let it go man and i was like all right all right i'm gonna and so uh, so I kinda like got myself into the right headspace to to try that and I started and I just started letting it all out. So I'd like say the first line and then I'd just like swear for a minute straight. And then I'd be like, you know, say the second line and then I'd just like jump up and down and pound my fists on my altar and be like, ah! <laughs> and it sounds I mean it's really ridiculous. Like I think about it now. It was such a such a hilarious thing to do. But I had so much built-up pissed-offness about about the structure of it, about feeling like I couldn't get to where I wanted with it, about feeling like the energy coming down wasn't enough. Like, it's all these things, right? And there's just, like, a big, like, a rage storm that went through maybe, maybe, like, three or four days of doing it. And then it was all gone. Like, I, and then I was just like, oh, yeah, this is beautiful. Why was I so upset about this? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's great. You know, cause like days before I'd been like ready to like, you know, burn down a city to like, just show my disgust at it. Right. (laughs) And I, and I think that there's this, this sort of notion that in, in, in kind of magic and growth work that this kind of emotional stuff, you know, just needs to not happen or, or can't be addressed or is, is not part of the process when I think it really is, right? Like, I mean, I think about some of the stuff that that I did in martial arts and some of the stuff I did other places, you know, those things are there not for technical reasons, but to, like, bring out these kinds of experiences so that you can become more disciplined or more focused or more resilient or whatever, you know? And I think that learning, learning to allow our emotions into these practices, I think, is so helpful, right? It's so fruitful.
2: Well, to me, I think not only are they, are they an important part, I think at certain stages, they're the whole of the work, or at least the the focal point of the work. And I think if we, you know, because some of this stuff, it, it's just fucking hard, period. I mean, it can be cool and you can have amazing results, but it's just fucking hard to do it. And, and when you're in that alchemical process, there's parts that are amazing and there's parts that are shitty and there's parts that are transcendent. And there's parts where you just want to, like you said, burn a city down. And I think to somehow divorce ourselves from that and pretend that, you know the the emotional response or the emotional resonance of that isn't a valid part. I don't I don't get that. I don't get that. I, I feel like I feel like somehow we're we're kind of missing the point if that's what happens.
3: Yeah, and I think too part of it for me is that's there's like a an overlay of dualism that exists kind of everywhere uh, in our culture, and it carries into the magical practices as well. As well. So there's stuff that. I think it's taught that you don't bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's really absurd because whether it be humor or whether it be rage, uh, and not like you're directing the rage at somebody. Cause I think that's you know, rarely of any use. Um, but if you can't bring everything to the table, you're not going to be able to, to really touch what's on that table. Uh, that this is the whole thing. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm ridiculous. I'm, you know, a total rock and roller. And so bits and pieces of, of music lyrics exist in my ritual work. They work for me. Those are, are points of resonance They're It's like a, a biblical quote to somebody who's who that's a, an important thing. I can drop a line from fucking Lucifer or something in and that whole, there's a whole thing behind it to me that that's a, there's a, an emotional resonance and it's ridiculous. It's not like I can do that very seriously. Um, and so there is laughter involved. All that is, but I think you have to be, well, you don't obviously don't have to be cause that's not happening. But from my perspective, you, we, we want to bring everything to the table. If this is how you do life, then you want to bring Your laughter, your sadness, all of that stuff to it. And uh, be comfortable as you can be because these things are not necessarily comfortable. Um, Just, yeah, kind of, you know, dumping it. And for me, there's a lot of humor involved Uh, because some of the shit that I get asked to do is absurd. Uh, You know, if you have spirits that want particular things, it's like, really? You want that? Okay. Andrew and I talked about this before uh, when we talked. Uh, that's what you want. Okay. You can have that. That's no problem. Uh, it's yeah. third. But if you would like that, that's fine. And I don't have to be serious. You don't, they don't care that you're dead serious in my experience.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, yeah. And I think I, what I like about what you're just saying is that to me, it lines up with my, my understanding of my relationship with magic that I think the most effective magic is done in a coherent state. It creates a coherent state. It, It is done in a coherent state. And so if there's emotions that are a part of that or song lyrics that are a part of that or absurdity that's a part of that, then to strip that from the equation to me is to strip out some source of power. Absolutely. And that doesn't make sense. And for me, because of my own orientation with it, I I will almost never work with spirits that can't laugh. If you're not not down with the absurdity, if you're not down with the laughter at completely inappropriate times, we're probably going to have a very short-lived relationship with each other
4: mm-hmm
2: yep mm-hmm. you know i've always thought that
1: you know if if spirit didn't have a sense of humor why did we why do we have emus i mean really that is the funniest damn animal on the planet i mean seriously think about it i mean look at chick. i mean chickens with a comb on their head that's some funny shit uh-huh yep
0: so we, we all now know that Jonathan's uh, first book is going to be one-on-one guide to emu magic.
2: It <laughs> revealed his spirit animal to yeah, us. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm not a book writer, man. I
1: I don't know if y'all noticed, but my brain doesn't sit on one thing.
4: <laughs> Me writing
1: a book would take like millennia. I don't have a millennia. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I've had people try to ask me to write books before. I'm like, man, I, I even thought about it. I almost wrote a book of days with a friend of mine. Um, like, uh, it's called daykeeping. Uh, if anybody is familiar with Curandero uh, practice, it's, um, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it, and we had talked about writing a book about it and I, and I had was into it, but I, I'm just not, I'm not focused enough to write a book. I don't think I'd ever write a book. I can barely write my name and get sidetracked at a squirrel or something. I don't
4: know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look.
0: No. But, so, yeah, now we know it. your second book, Squirrel Magic. <laughs> squirrel Magic. <laughs> I do like squirrels. They're
1: pretty adorable.
0: They're uh-huh. funny. That's another funny yeah. animal. <laughs> they are. My my eldest daughter likes to feed them. We, we get peanuts in the shell, and she goes out and sits really still until they come out and take them from her hands. That's cool. It's pretty charming to watch.
4: My
1: grandfather used to have one that would throw stuff at him. So you know Uh had a kind of relationship. He would throw nuts at the squirrel, squirrel would throw them back. (laughs)
0: Hilarious. (laughs) Gotta gotta wonder who that squirrel was the reincarnation of. That's my question.
3: Alistair Crowley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Do what thou nut show be the
4: whole law.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what's 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 the weirdest thing that's been up for you? Magically, spiritually,
4: weirdest thing, man. The weirdest thing. Weird. Well, somebody else
2: answered. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John. After all the SpongeBob references, don't look at you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for you to go first.
0: <laughs> uh, come on, come on, Squidward. Come on, Squidward.
1: <laughs> you know, okay, okay. I got. You know, probably the weirdest thing, and and I've done a lot of paranormal research. And 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 this. It's a one, it's one-word thing, but it really made me think about our lives here in this plane of existence. The one thing the Spirit said was hungry. That's all he said was hungry. And we were talking about going to get waffles after the, the investigation, and uh, that's when we caught it. My, I mean, you know, that really make, it really makes you think, why did I not eat that donut? You know, I mean, if he, if he had had that donut that morning, why did I not enjoy that donut? What if I died on my way home or something? I didn't get that donut. It's just stupid. You know, I guess that's one of the, that's probably one of the most. the Not really weird, but um, I don't know, interesting moments. But, you know, it's one that makes you think.
4: Hmm.
0: So did you take the spirit back some waffles and them for him?
1: I don't know. I went and ate my own waffles. I was like, dude, you can't eat anymore. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My bad.
3: (laughs) You know, yeah, I think the weirdest thing for me actually kind of came up, um, last year while I was doing, uh, work within, um, Brie Saucy's miracle tree sessions. And, uh, there's actually like an underworld component to that, but I didn't, that's not where this occurred interestingly enough, because all that shit happens in the West for me. But um, I began traveling, you know, doing guided visual or unguided visualizations essentially is how this came about. And I ended up going to a space that was like a, like Neolithic, maybe graveyard, like it was burials. And then there was a barrow near there, but there was burials in the ground, but there was nothing modern at all about it. And, um, it opened up this whole subset of practice that I'd never dealt with, which is rolling in there. And there would be like lost and trapped, uh, spirits of the dead, like at their graves. Uh, and, kind of out of nowhere, I kind of just began processing them out and moving them on. And this was a place where they were stuck. And that's not anything I've ever had any experience with. Um, And had interactions in the Barrow with a spirit that that made that make more sense, but uh, it's become kind of a, uh, a recurring thing that if I go to that particular zone in, in, in what I, you know, in, in my travels to the West, um, I end up doing that, um, uh, you know, and that was not an intention or part of the, it wasn't expected. And that's been the most kind of peculiar thing. Um, it's good. It's really good for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's odd. Uh, you know, I've become used to it in the last year cause it's got, it goes on a lot. I
1: don't, that sounds almost somewhat like a shamanic practice, yeah. Uh, and and not, it's completely slipping my brain right now. But uh, a friend, uh, Evelyn, does it, right? Evelyn Reisner does it, and uh, she just basically helps guide spirits on to what they're where they were supposed to have gone in the first place, right? So, which I don't. I I, I have a really tr- interesting i mean i think spirits can come back and forth at any time so uh, you know moving them on is sort of like more like giving them comfort not really saying hey you're supposed to be here you can't be here more like you need to go here get orientated then come back and we'll talk but and and i i've always kind of worked that way you know when i used to do readings and stuff online people would always call and and want me to do uh you know, somebody that's passed away real recent. And I, I just, if, if they had been, if they any less than six months, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't even attempt it because, you know, I think sometimes spirit gets confused, especially if it was a, a sudden death um, that they don't know how to get to uh, wherever it is they need to go, you know, back to the source of it all and get kind of their orientation. And then we can come back and talk. But so, yeah, that's kind of sounds like what Evelyn used to do, and you may talk to her about it. She may be able to give you some more insight on that, yeah. actually. Um, and I'm having a complete brain fart of what it's called. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody
2: Psychopomp. <clears throat>
1: Psychopomp. <laughs> S- thank you very much. I, was, I, I kept wanting to say polymorphism, but I knew that wasn't. <laughs> but, that uh,
2: might be
4: something else.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was what was in my brain. I'm like, that's not the worry, John. Go away. That's not it. <laughs> But yeah, so you may talk to Evelyn. She could probably even.
3: Yeah, it's very interesting. It's super it, It's super straightforward and organic there and, and very different each time, which is the thing that I find the most interesting about it is it's not like a, a practice or something has developed from it. It's just like, as I walk through that zone, sometimes there are things there that I know I'm supposed to do something for. And I'm given that information right then. It's just like, okay, here, let me make you a little mud boat that you can ride out of here. And they go, it's like, weird
1: i think some people are kind of built for that you know i think they're kind of built for that from the and i, and I think it's how long we, we've you know we've been practicing with well, spirit i'm not talking physical here now i'm talking spirit how long has spirit been traveling and, and how long has our spirit been doing this kind of work you know i think some people are more prepared to do it whether they realize it or not right. and uh and sometimes i've done it and and not intentionally done it um <clears throat> Just with you know, like spirits in my mom's house. Mom had one that kept coming in and would sit on the bed. So I just talked to him. I was like, you know, what what's going on? Why are you here? And and it, you just kind of working with him and comforted him, and he kind of moved on after that. He hasn't been back. So you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a psychopomp. I don't, I'm not trained to psychopomp, so nobody called me and asked me to do psychopomp work because this is my disclaimer. I'm not a psychopomp. But you know. <laughs> But you that's,
4: are uh, I think, <laughs> Oh Yeah, whatever the hell that means. I not even know what that was. <laughs> is. is that even English? <laughs> so if, you're, if, you're at, if you're looking to change
0: into an emu, it's <laughs> <what I call. laughs>
1: that's one of them Canadian words, ain't
2: it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like that about. It's about. So
0: it's, it's all about that for sure. <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway um. how
2: about you Fabeku yeah I I think the current flavor of weird is uh, two things I guess cycling through another round of uh, the relationship between body modification stuff and magic which is not really Uh, a new thing but uh, sort of revisiting some older things that uh, i looked into years ago and i was doing body piercing and things like that um that stuff seems to be pinging uh in odd odd ways um and then there's been a, a long continued series of dreams for the last i don't know a few months or so where almost nightly uh bowie and uh burroughs show up and they have these weird long conversations about different specific types and Burroughs is always a very specific conversation about a very specific kind of magic. And Bowie seems to swing out sort of all over the place with just kind of wild shit. In the last few nights he's had these weird metaphors with Elvis and soul retrieval and just, just wacky <laughs> shit, just completely fucking wacky shit that uh, you wake up and it's like, what the fuck is happening at night? I don't, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. But uh, yeah, so those are my two, Current flavors of weirdness. What about you?
0: Um, I mean, a lot of dream stuff has been fascinating, and and I had this dream where um, I'd gone camping. Uh, literally, I'd gone camping. I was I was camping with a bunch of scouts because I'm a scout leader for my kids' uh, cub group, and uh, we were up in the woods. And whenever I go to the woods, I always take offerings for the spirits of the land, for the spirits of the forest, and you know, and for Osain, um, the Orisha of, of plants and and magic and things, and and I find a time to sort of go and sit and feed them these things, you know, give them some offerings and stuff like that. And uh, so, in my dream, I I came to in the dream where I was standing at the uh, at the spot where I had done these offerings. I looked down and I could see them, and I looked up, and then there were these two spirits there. One of them, you know. One of them was the was the spirit of somebody who lived on this earth, like on this part of the ground. And one of them was uh, was one of the spirits of the forest that I work with that I recognize. And um, and they said, come on, we've got to show you something. And so we walked back up the path to the campsite. And when we walked in there, um, all of these birds came out of the trees. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there were some that you would expect, some that I had seen around, like you know woodpeckers and robins and red winged blackbirds and you know birds birds that I often have conversations with in one way or another and then these other birds started to show up uh, and one was like fifteen or twenty feet long you know and like had like a like a big horn on top of its beak mm. and you know and I was like wow what's going on and and these spirits basically said these are the the real and the ancient and the mythical birds of this place. And they're here to tell you things. And so then I proceeded in the dream to go and sit and listen to them. Hmm. And when I was, so skip ahead like a couple months. And the other day I'm down at the beach here and um, I'm watching these swans sing around, swim around, right? And immediately what, you know, is this one keeps coming over, keeps coming over and uh And then there's this moment where, from wherever this sort of sense emerges that this giant mythic bird that I had seen was like spiritual precursor or spiritual manifestation of this swan energy, and when I looked at its beak, it had the exact same structure that I'd never noticed before, hmm. but just uh-huh. sort of diminished like it had sort of receded over generations and so on, and so there's this like this interplay between the dream life and this this sort of constant engagement with with bird life that's sort of a part of my magical practice these days. And it's it's interesting because in, in everybody else's, you know, in the other things that we're talking with, there's this sort of through line, which I see in this too, which is there's a logic, but it's not obvious what that logic is. It's not a mm-hmm. linear logic, right? There's this sort of nonlinear or non-rational or, you know, certainly like non-waking consciousness through which these things are happening. And there's a significance which emerges, but like I could never, I mean, maybe in time I'll be able to put my finger on it, but I, I can't put my finger on it now or explain it very clearly. And even though I, I have a sense of what I learned from, uh, from those beings in my dreams I'm not even sure that I can entirely articulate that either, even though I access it when I'm doing work and reading the
2: cards and other things, you know, you know, for me, that, that links into something that I've been thinking about a lot since late last year. Uh, this thing where for me, magic has increasingly become about this, this return to the animal body kind of thing, you know, this thing of, of, getting out of the fucking head and the models and the concepts and the ideas and all of that shit. And, and moving back to this place where I think magic probably started to begin with that, you know, in the bones of the body and the blood and the pulse of, of the blood through the veins in the body. And I think that there's, there's something in that, that when you, when you restore that, when you return to that, I don't know that we're able to necessarily translate this logic that you're talking about, but it's clearer and it's more accessible. And I think we can work in concert with it instead of banging our head against the fucking wall, trying to figure out what it is, you know? And yeah, that's, that's become, and I think that's part of what the the weirdness with the body uh, modification stuff is too, that, you know, circling back to that kind of primal animal body piece.
3: Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I know that that's when I, you know, logically I was in the temple of psychic youth at that time. And it was when kind of the body piercing, uh, uh, took off in San Francisco. So there were actually, you know, you used to be able to go into a couple of the, the queer leather shops and buy rings and buy needles. But, and there were people who did it, but nobody had like a shop, but that's when, you know, Jim Ward opened up gauntlet and a Mm -hmm. few other things opened up. Um, And that was one of the big things which I hadn't really thought about in years that kind of informed my shift away from ceremonial magic is I became really fascinated with using uh, mostly piercing uh, as a method of uh, entering trance through pain, um, which sounds really weird to a lot of people. But the thing that's strange with it is if you're not masochistic. (laughs) <laughs> you're not actually trying to maximize the pain you're trying to minimize the pain and that process of kind of relaxing into that was hugely beneficial for me to go like okay i'm going to put this really large spinal needle through this muscle uh and it might take me a half hour but i'm gonna, the only way i can do that and not fucking have a meltdown is to be totally relaxed into it and it becomes something else it becomes a kind of communication between me and the powers that be and this thing um yeah i hadn't thought about that in years but mm-hmm. that was definitely a, a big influence that shifted me further away from what i was kind of seeing as a lot of the the very head centric very mm-hmm. rational mind centered magic that i was around uh cuz there was no way to explain what it was that I was doing but it was working incredibly well for me overall it was
2: improving things
3: consistently
2: yeah some of the best magic i've done i've done during long tattoo sittings you know it's it's been um some of the simplest some of the easiest some of the most effective some of the most uh immediate in terms of results um you know, same years ago when I when I was doing piercing stuff, you know, uh, a lot of the sigil magic experiments kind of ran along with the piercing yep. stuff. So yeah, I get it completely.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, it's funny because I thought that that was a road that I was going to go down. Um, I was very very interested in the sort of modern primitive, you know, revival stuff that was going on. You know, like in the in the kind of like nineteen ninety or so when it when I ran into it. Um, and, you know, and sort of later on, I ran into a group where, um, they were putting on a ball dance and, uh, you know, where you, you suture weights onto your skin and dance until they come out, right? And it was, it was one of those, there, there are a handful of these pivotal moments in my life where I did this, we, we went out in this park, there was a big fire, there were drummers. I had, um taken these limes and I'd cut them open and inserted things into them that I wanted to invoke or to release or to whatever and sewn them all up. And then I had them sutured to my skin. And, uh, and so there was drumming and, you know, dancing and it went on for, you know, a long time. And at the sort of zenith of my experience, I left my body cause I looked down and saw the top of my head and was watching it dance. And it was one of the, it was the first time that I had really sort of, left my body in that kind of way and then i had dedicated it all to nuit the sort of arching star goddess of the night sky right and i i floated upwards above the trees of the forest and i saw her there and we communed and, and interacted for a while so she was this you know huge impossibly huge you know figure made up of the night sky that i communed with and then at some point i snapped back into my body Every all of the things had come out except for one which I just, just grabbed and yanked out. I went and collected them all, threw them in the fire, and immediately said to myself, I never need to have this experience again. I'm done with all this stuff. Which was so surprising to me because I thought, This is awesome and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna like I had I had like years of like continuing down this road in my mind. And then I snapped back from that experience. And I was like, No, it's done. That's it. You've got everything that you need from this now. Which is, you know, which was one of the
3: messages that she had given me, right? Which was fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's very cool.
3: Well, that kind of sinks into a lot of the think that I have that is really interesting about, which makes sense with the little pile of us. um, Is it's really easy to have an experience like that and really just codify it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a lot of what I see going on in, in society at large. It's not just about magic, but um. And, uh, I think there's a natural impulse to that. I, I've done that about many things or tried to do that about many things and then gotten the messaging, like you're being stupid. You need to do something else. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you're an idiot. That was that. And, uh, that's done. Uh, and I think it's a very interesting process and it's, I, I yeah, I have no idea whether that's a wiring thing or, uh, or what but it's always an interesting thing to watch like who's grabbed on to uh a particular structure whatever that methodology is uh Mm -hmm. it just is gonna ride that all the way out to the horizon no matter what Mm -hmm. uh and and it's an interest always an interesting thing yeah
0: i mean I, i think that uh you know you never know right like it's it's kind of impossible to say whether that's perfect for other people or not, right? I mean, I got no idea, right?
4: I got no idea. Yeah, like
0: rock it, rock it, out, my friends. Enjoy it, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's this sort of this sort of always this interesting mix of. Um, eventually, I sort of, I kind of codified my understanding of that when it happened, which is is centered around this idea that I am always willing to give up who I think I am so that I can discover who I truly am. Mm-hmm. And in yes. those moments, they all, they all are sort of those doors opening and closing around identities and structures and ways of thinking that I might live or other things, you know, like they, 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 they really sort of redirect the flow of traffic in new directions. And, uh, you know, it's so, it's so powerful and fruitful, but uh, I mean, it, but it it's, very awkward if you if you're like when I've been invested in being stubborn, you know it gets really <laughs> awkward really fast.
3: <laughs> yes, it does. If, if by awkward you mean painful, then yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I got some scars. Okay, I got the
0: scars. So they, they just leaned out and said, "Andrew, you're being an idiot.
4: Stop it."
2: <laughs> Not me. I have no idea what you guys were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know,
0: for those who yeah, don't know, Fubeku I mean, is yeah. the uh epitome of of grace and uh yeah, zen and uh which I think All is true. funny
1: because he's on one side and I'm on the other of the screens we're looking at. So
4: it's kind of it's really balanced. Uh-huh. It's nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so w- what are you? What are you looking forward to? What do you? What do you? Uh, what, what do you sort of feel out there on the horizon? Um, and and maybe let me make this more general. Um, like share something personal if you like. But I'm I'm also very curious about what you what you're sort of seeing going on. You know, from where you're plugged into the magical flow of the universe. What do you see kind of going on in the world magically that you're inspired by too? Come on, Spongebob, hit us with oh, some shit. wisdom.
1: I can't. <laughs> I can't, man, I ain't got nothing I'm inspired by. That's tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a rough world we're living in right now. And I think that, you know, the only thing that really kind of gives me any sort of inspiration is that I know that there's people like you guys out there that, you know, like-minded and we're all in the same boat. Um, unfortunately, I, I, you know, I'm <clears throat> talking to other friends of mine in, in the magical world. There's just, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of change coming to the world. You know, I think some pretty major stuff's coming, and I hope that I'm wrong. Um, I don't have anything – I don't have any words of wisdom here other than, you know, just glad to have people out there like you guys. So that's my motivation, that and SpongeBob. (laughs) What was the laughing in the background? What the hell was that? Did you all hear that? was that just me?
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's other people laughing at you too now, Jonathan. No, there's uh, people in the store right now. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, for me, what, what I see is, and, and it, it sort of runs kind of along with what Jonathan just said. I think that, you know, this is hard times for a lot of people and scary and weird and uncertain as fuck. And um, what I'm encouraged by is the fact that I see a ton of people who – do not have experience with magic. Do not have a long history with it that are showing up and saying, okay, now I need to learn. I need to figure this out. I need. I know that the tools that I've had to navigate up to this point are not going to work moving forward. So I need some new fucking tools and people are coming. I'm, back I'm, I'm to crazy practice. inspired yeah. by that. I'm crazy inspired by that. And I get that it's driven by a lot of fear and anxiety and, and legitimately so, but the fact that this is opening people up to non-ordinary methods of navigating reality and to shaping their world. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty fucking inspired by that right now.
1: I agree. I've seen a lot of that coming and and I've seen it coming for the last 20 or 30 years, but it's really been prominent, um, in the last year or two. Um, and we're seeing more people going back to the earth and, and back to what's important. And uh, going back to the roots, you know, people, people, you know, the ancestral DNA thing is kind of interesting because I think people get an idea of where they came from, you know, and then they want to get back to that. And from a magical perspective, that's important. We've lost, we've lost society as what society really was as a, a grouping of people trying to survive. We've all kind of just gone off on our own. And I see people coming back together to groups and, and doing things together that, are bettering the planet and bettering themselves and their own lives. And I, I, I agree with you, man. That's, that's, uh, I'm pretty happy to see that
4: kind of thing happen to myself, but yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's
3: a pretty weird one. Uh, I'm, uh, of the belief that we've got, uh, really a massive overload of of humanity on this planet. Um, And I've thought this since I was a kid, so it's not new. (laughs) Um, And so things are as ugly as I would expect them to be, which sounds really nasty, but it's true for me. Um, And so weirdly, kind of what I see is the collapse of, of a lot of the West. I'm not sure is intrinsically a bad thing. It's unquestionably a bad thing for a lot of people. Um, But humans are really stubborn. (laughs) I don't think we have ever learned easy. Uh, And so that's where I almost look at it as going like, okay, it seems like we're getting to that place where you get to wise up Uh, whether you want to or not, uh, whether you want to be in denial or not. Uh, all of that stuff. Uh, I have a hard time looking at it as a pure negative though. I know a lot of people do. Um, and I think it's uh, kind of what Fabiko and Jonathan said. I think that there's a, uh, there's a return to a very non-modern way of perception attempting to happen right now. Uh, and uh it's happening in both good ways and ways that I don't think are good at all. Um, But I do think it's an attempt to go, okay, maybe we aren't that smart. Maybe we haven't got, maybe the structures that have, have provided the answers for all of us for the last period of time, maybe those aren't as legit as we like to give them the, 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 the green light on. And so maybe we do really have to on a kind of individual small group, kind of affinity group level, uh, really make those shifts ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's a, you know, kind of build your own lifeboat kind of thing, uh, and see what comes. Cause if any of this stuff is going to get worked out, it's not going to be done by people our age. I don't think, I think it's going to be done by people who are not <laughs> born yet, uh, in response to what we're having, what we're all living through now, uh, makes sense in some ways based on how we all grew up and our peers grew up and our parents grew up and all of that. And I think, uh, you know, my son's, my oldest son's 30 and, uh, uh, his kids are going to grow up with an entirely different expectation and an entirely different level of respect for these things that were kind of a given when we were in school and when we were growing up. And I think that that's good. I think that, uh, that was kind of, a I think we've been in like a somewhere between like 200 year and 70 year kind of fantasy about how the world works in the West. And uh, to me, the positive is that has to change. And so I think we're getting to the place where there's no option. It has to.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I went yesterday to see uh, my youngest daughter is doing a drama camp uh, for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, they put on a play. And uh, she kept it completely secret from us. She's like, I'm telling you nothing. I was like, All right, I'll be surprised. It's <laughs> awesome, looking forward to it. And um, what they, what they, what they do is they write a whole 15 minute play during this time. Right. And, and then they put it on for everybody. And what they ended up making was this play. Cause it was Canada's 150 year anniversary. Uh, just recently. And, they made this place basically on the premise that this anniversary was like, was the anniversary of the taking of something that didn't belong to people. Right. You know, that, that people had taken, you know, Europeans had taken from the indigenous people, this land. Right. And they decided that they would uh, tell this story as if it had a different ending um, using puppets so they all made puppets so they made it they, they use puppets as their central metaphor for you know for all these other issues and stuff like that and you know these are these are kids who are seven and eight years old who are talking about these things you know um. and you know i mean like certainly it's a topic around you know in our house and, and other people but this is like 25 kids who all agreed to doing this thing right so that means that this is twenty-five kids who this is on their agenda, and this is twenty-five kids' families plus all the other levels of kids' families who watch this thing. You know, I mean, I think that you I think that you're right. That I, I see some of these, you know, the the kids doing stuff, and I'm just like, yes, it's so amazing, right? You know, so I think that that's certainly very inspirational. Um, you know. I mean, I don't live in America, right? So I kind of, you know, have a have a different perspective on things a little bit. I'm a little less doom and gloom because up here in the border, <laughs> you know,
4: because you have good reason.
0: <laughs> well, we we have we have a lot to to fix, right? Like, don't get you know, like let's let's not pretend that we don't. Right? Canada's uh, records on trans rights, on you know, dealing with indigenous people, and you know, like I mean they're they're equally as crappy as everywhere, right you know our, our our you know racism and other things i mean it's all still going on right like it's not oh, yeah. it's not like you cross the border when there's utopia but but you know we definitely live in a different place um you know so but i I mean I do see a lot going on with youth that really inspires me and you know and I also find myself um really really intrigued by what I see with kind of this reemergence of magical ways of thinking and stuff like that, you know, because for me, it's been a constant my whole life, right? Like there was never a time where this was not, you know, part of my consciousness. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was reading Crowley and, you know, like any other magical book I could get my hands on when I was like 12 years old. Right. So like, it's been, it's been a constant for me. Um And I feel like, what I see emerging now is what I hope is uh, a kind of deeper understanding of the magic, the way in which magic works, that is more nuanced, that is less dogmatic, that's, um, that's shedding some of what, you know, like what was reactionary against, you know, Catholicism or religious upbringings or whatever, right? Like, you know, it's, it's dropping those things that are sort of, even, even acknowledging that those things are relevant to the conversation, you know, um, and sort of this sort of emergence of, of a kind of connection to uh, magic, nature, the ancestors. And I'm really curious to see where all of that stuff is going because I, I feel my optimistic self says that if people continue to engage it and if people are in a kind of general way able to uh, explore and ponder and keep their egos in check a bit that that what could emerge would be something pretty what is emerging could be truly wonderful and really kind of revolutionary in a way that's, that's not immediately easy to point a finger at but becomes something quite different um, you know my my grumpy I haven't had enough coffee pessimistic self you know basically is like I don't know about this appropriation piece and this piece and that piece and whatever but you know I transit with that uh optimistic piece as much of the time
3: as I can so
2: yeah i like that a lot
3: <clears throat> yeah i think that for me one of the big things that i really enjoy now is is getting to make pieces for people that just kind of see that that might be something that's useful to them but they have no background in this stuff mm-hmm. um uh and getting emails from people going i really don't understand what it is i need but i know i need something And I think that you could help me. And it seems like that works a lot. Uh, To me, that's really inspiring because, again, uh, uh, it's easy for the kind of more long term or hardcore or whatever kind of bullshit name you want to use for people who are involved in magic. Uh, We can get kind of stuck in our ways, you know. And so having people that come in just kind of from the raw going, man, I I saw this candle spell thing or whatever that you did, and it works for me. And I've never done anything like this, and I'm getting use out of it. Uh,
2: That's inspiring as hell for me. Uh, You know, I agree. And I think what – so in seeing these people show up that don't have this background, I'm really paying close attention to the questions they're asking. Uh, because they don't have the filters, they don't have the bullshit, they don't have the experience, they don't have the 12 theories that explain the way magic works kind of shit in their head. They, they show up and they're asking useful questions that for me, decades into this, allow me to look at magic in a different way and what it is and what it does and how it can function in people's lives. And uh, there's something really potent about that. You know I'm fascinated by that kind of thing it's you know when you when you show up to something that you feel this pull to and you don't have the experience in it or the models to articulate it um, there's something pretty fascinating that happens in terms of the way they see it and what they see as possible as a result of it and the questions that come up for them it's a it's an interesting thing
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that um there's also there's also a way in which I notice people like when I was in China teaching and um you know as part of the like ancestral work that I was doing with people there we were sort of giving out some prescriptive kind of psycho magic kind of things to try and shift ancestral patterns or inherited patterns that were living in the person or whichever and you know it's fascinating to me that people who people who don't have, uh, you know, existing practice, but can immediately access the logic or the, the feel the, the logic of it, you know, or it'd be like, so I feel like you should do something like this. And they're like, Oh, I actually have that thing at my house. I've been waiting to do something with it. I'm like, yes. Right. That there's a, like a logic and an engagement with it that just sort of unlocks stuff, which is just fascinating and, and exciting. And then, you know, that fires me up more about it too, because I'm, I hear how they're asking those questions or what they're looking at. And I'm like, yes. And, you know, and then my answers are more graceful, you know, more accurate, more clean, you know, more, more, whatever from that process, which is just wonderful too. Right. Because, you know, when you get a complicated question, it's hard to give it a complicated or give it a simple answer. Unless the answer is, I don't really think about it that way, (laughs) but (laughs)
4: that's not always helpful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: All right guys, I want to say thank you for making time and sharing and laughing. All praise Sponge <laughs> SpongeBob.
2: SpongeBob. SpongeBob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh there will be links in the show notes to the previous episodes with uh with these three gentlemen and uh also hey, links for where you can Find them on their various interwebby places. Um, Go check them out. Go see what they're up to. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for being on here, guys.
4: Thank Thank you. for having
0: us. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I hope you've really enjoyed it. Uh, A big thanks to the lovely human beings who have put some wonderful reviews on iTunes for the podcast. And as I mentioned before this started, please do consider supporting the Patreon. You know, I sound like a PBS ad, but seriously, even a dollar helps. It all adds up towards being able to make all sorts of exciting things happen, both for yourself and for others. So head on over to patreon.com slash lamp or
4: use the link in the show notes. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.